Welcome to episode 293 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Levin. And I'm Marshall Bach. Welcome back to another episode. Uh, we got a fun episode. And before we get into it, we don't have anyone to thank. So we can get no straight sponsor. into it. No sponsor. Right into the good stuff. Yeah, let's jump straight into some follow-up, Marshall. Uh, I thought last week's episode went really well. We got great mm-hmm. feedback. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy we're doing interviews again. Not only that, it was a very good person to do an interview with. Yeah, thank you again, Lindsay. But we got lots and lots of tweets. Lots of people said this was their favorite episode in a long time. Excellent. I'll try not to take that personally. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, cool, cool, cool. As soon as we get somebody that's not us, uh, it's a great episode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, you guys shut up for at least like 20 minutes. It was yeah. amazing. <laughs> that's true. Not wrong, though. You're not wrong. <laughs> Someone like, said yeah. they... Uh, Eric Bros said he shared it with the Reddit design team, who I guess is working on design systems there. So it's cool that it's it's being evangelized at other companies. Like Lindsay's thoughts on design systems, uh, more people want to hear it. So yeah, as well it should because Lindsay's thoughts are very good. I I learned so much from that episode. Yeah. So if you haven't heard it, go back and listen to episode two ninety two. Lindsay Berry, uh, design systems at Lyft. She's amazing. Yes. And really informative. So speaking of Lindsay's episode, uh, one of the things I've been playing around with is new cover art for the for the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a this is a scary thing for me to play around with, partly because it existed before I arrived and its legacy, and I don't want to change something that people like, especially if I change it to something that people hate. Yeah. So if you look at your device now and uh, look at the cover art, this is the this is the new format. So. Uh, One of the things I wanted to do is have a template that basically allows me to customize each episode's artwork uh, to be unique for that episode, but it has a a theme that is common across all episodes. So yeah, if you look, this is the one that would be for this episode if we used this cover art. Curious to hear what you think. And and, uh, we'll tweet out a version of what what Lindsay's episode would have looked like if we had this artwork for that episode. Yeah, I think it's important to call it like this is just an experiment. Like, I think we want to explore new artwork. I don't hate this one, like to be honest. You know, we've talked about this, but I don't hate it, but I don't know that I totally love it either. But Uh the one thing that I do like is certain episodes look really, really cool with this, you know, masked template with like the theme of the episode in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's a nice visual style, but uh, we just want to get more feedback. So yeah, if you're listening and, and look at your phone, we would love feedback on hopefully what you're seeing, which is this experimental artwork. Yeah, yeah. The, the I think the idea is solid. I'm not sure this particular iteration, this particular execution of it is the right thing to do. But yeah, first first draft. You're getting to see... The sausage get made here, so be kind. And if you have uh, ways to make it better or ways to improve it or, or completely different ideas that incorporate the same, you know, uh, masking type of uh, unique per episode concept, uh, send them our way. Yeah. Tweeter. Uh, for context, the, the current art, artwork was done by Ryan Morrison, and we've called out Ryan in the past, but his website's ryry.io. But he did the current artwork, which we love, and we've had for... Gosh, years at this point. Yeah, a long, long time. Years and years. But it's fun to try new things and see, you know, change can be good. It can be scary. <laughs> Especially if you're the one doing it, a designer designing something to be seen by designers is yeah. usually kind of nerve-wracking. Yeah. So let us know what you thought. Uh, tweet at us. Tweet at us. Or for those of you who are, are persistent and email us, we appreciate those emails as well. I think we've started putting those emails in the show notes or somewhere. And uh, last bit of follow-up as we're continuing to talk about Lindsay's episode. So at the end of Lindsay's episode, we asked her what her next 
blog post was going to be. And she said that she was currently working with Kathy Ma and Sam Sophis over at Lyft on a blog post about building design systems with feature parity across operating systems. And that blog post has been published. So we'll have a link in the show notes. That's published on the new Figma website for uh, design systems called designsystems.com, which is a great domain name. Yeah, straightforward. Dig it. Yeah, yeah. The, the title is A System Built on Parity, How to Treat All of Your Users Equally. So for those of you who, who heard Lindsay talking about it, it is now live. Go read it. It's great. And feature parity across uh, operating systems is also an incredibly complex uh, organizational challenge. So uh, props to them for sharing what they know so far. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I also like the design of, uh, did, did they redesign the designsystems.com they did, yeah. landing page? Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Uh, lots so of colorful, colorful and shapey shapes shapes all around. I like that the um, the containers for each of the stories don't have a background and these kind of section shapes cut into the first bounding box for each story. Mm-hmm. I like that. I've never seen that before. I'm sure it's not unique, but I like it. It's a cool theme. Yeah, there's there's lots of nice little touches on the site. Uh, the grid, like it uses a nice grid, but then it uses those shapes to break the grid. So it feels dynamic, I guess would be the word. Yeah. And it's more like frames on top of white like the you really get the feeling that the borders are just a line instead Mm. of you know the outside border of a white fill card or something like that right it's a framework as opposed to this kind of opaque system i like it cool that's it for follow-up we've got we've got some fights to get into marshall (laughs) ding 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 (laughs) here we go yeah we're gonna bring back uh well i think we ended up ultimately calling it Point counterpoint, but oh right, we used to call it fight me. I still like calling it fight me. Yeah, uh, maybe we'll go back to that. <laughs> fight me colon point counterpoint. Yeah, colon aka. <laughs> no, I was gonna say fight me colon using augmented reality in apps. Mm-hmm. That's our episode today, or that's our meet. Uh, we're gonna be be debating whether AR and apps is a good thing or not. So a trend has started to become more apparent lately, not just in smaller apps, but in Big apps, especially from the major companies from Apple and Google and augmented reality, if you're not aware what we're talking about, is overlaying three-dimensional objects in real space through the lens of your phone screen or tablet screen. Is that an accurate way of, or is that a decent way to describe it? I think so. I think I would caveat that it doesn't have to be 3D and it doesn't have to be phone screens. Okay. I said tablet. No, but even television. So yeah, well, you got to have a camera. Sure. Okay. No, you don't. So I think one of the, this is just the, the example that I think everyone leans on is sports broadcasting relies on Uh, AR and they've relied on AR for years and years and years. And the perfect example is the first down line that gets drawn on a football field when you're watching football. Okay, fine. That's augmented reality. But for the sake of this point counterpoint, maybe we can constrain it to... In apps. In apps on your phone, app makers want you to manipulate and view and, and sort of pan around objects using the camera to like superimpose those objects onto the real world. So Pokemon Go would be a good example, right? Yes, no, po- Pokemon Go is probably the the, the perfect example. <laughs> yeah. All right. So to start, I think, Marshall, you should say your point of view on whether AR in apps is useful. If this is a, a trend that's here to stay, uh, then I will provide my thesis. And then we can start getting into, I guess, the conversation and, and try and educate each other or illuminate the, the other point of view. All right. 
here's here's my thesis. With very few exceptions, I think augmented reality in apps is a gimmick. The two examples I can think of that would be acceptable uses of AR that aren't gimmicky would be uh, in navigation and in shopping. Those are the two things I can think of where it's not it's not bad. It's okay. It actually helps. Everything else, I think, is is tomfoolery. Old man yells at cloud. So give me some examples of AR that you've seen that you said, this is so gimmicky. Who would use this? Uh, basically anything that isn't. Uh, so there's lots of games and stuff where the developers intend you to walk around looking through this little window, uh, trying to interact with the real world through a glass screen. Uh, Okay, T- to continue my thesis, th- this is such a shitty substandard stopgap to what we really actually want, which is the ability to actually see these things in real life and actually touch them and interact with them. Right now, it's like it's kind of like the difference between a modern car radio and like old car radios, if you know what I'm talking about. So like. Back in the day, if you have an old car and uh, it has a, a car stereo, it has those big, fat, chunky buttons that when you press them in, they go ka-chunk, and it moves uh-huh. a physical dial across the, the numbers. And, and you know when you save those presets, it's ka-chunk, and you push in a button, it pops the other button out because it's actually doing physical things inside there are gears and shit. I'm not sure how it works, but you know, it's like a, it's a physical thing happening. I don't know what I'm talking about, but I assume some gears are in there (laughs) as opposed to just pressing a button and having it send an electrical signal to a computer chip and change some LEDs on the front of the screen. You know what I mean? Like that's a completely different thing. And I feel like what we're doing now is the kachunk version of the digital version we should have, which is basically the matrix. Like really what, really what we want is the matrix. We want to, Plug something into your brain, and you're there, and it feels like you're there, and all of your sensory input says you are in this place, and everything else that's in this place is actually here with you. Does that make sense? Yeah, but that's starting to bleed into just full-blown VR, not AR. Even VR is a, like, I got to strap something on my head and put something over my ears and put something in my hands and put something on my chest you know, like, uh, you know, to, to feel feedback or whatever, like yep. none of this is all, this is all kachunk stuff. Yeah. Right? Okay. And, and everything, everything that's being done now is, is more for the novelty of, of it. It's more gimmicky than it is useful. Fight me. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I think I, I should acknowledge where I agree and then go into where I disagree. So I agree that a lot of what we've seen is gimmicky. I'm taking a bit of an extreme uh, position here just so we can have some entertainment. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. <laughs> we're, we're, we probably mostly agree. I'm, yeah. I'm going real far this side. So. Well, so I think uh, most of what has been shown so far is gimmicky. And especially around the gaming and just the awkward demos that they give at Apple events they're just super cringy to see four people yep. walking around an empty table going false enthusiasm. Gotcha. Yeah. Blast off. <laughs> this like, is lit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. that is cringe inducing. However, I think there are just so many examples of things in the past that have felt gimmicky and cringe inducing and felt like uh, child's play that ended up becoming really meaningful tools that people use. And I think an example to call out would probably be Snapchat, which 
I'm not an avid user, but I think when Snapchat first started, it was this idea that that is really, it's like dumb. It's, it, oh, that's for kids. That's for sending dick pics. That's for, <laughs> it, it's for all these things that people really frowned upon. But what they didn't realize was there was like a kernel of truth in there, which was people want a different type of control over what they're sharing and how that's going to be persisted in their digital world, right? And that kernel of truth has suddenly bled out. And now we see all sorts of apps that have ephemeral messaging and every product has copied stories. And, and we see that this... Face tracking and yeah. Yeah, yeah. You get into the face tracking and, and the masks and all that kind of stuff. Exactly. So like there was a kernel of truth there, even though the broader narrative sucked. And I think we're in a phase where the broader narrative for AR sucks, but there's a kernel of truth there. And I think when you start to use the tiny utilities that actually feel really valuable, then hopefully those things stick. And so one example is the Measure app on iOS. And I never, ever thought I'd use it. But one time recently, when Effie and I were looking at apartments in New York, we were trying to figure out we'd forgotten our tape measure. We were looking at an apartment. And our the person showing us the place didn't have a tape measure, and we were trying to figure out if I don't know a couch would fit or a desk would fit in this in this one space. We didn't have any way to measure this, and I remembered that the measure app existed, so I opened it and I measured the distance from a line on the floorboard to another line on the floorboard, and it was actually I mean loosely accurate. If I were to guesstimate with my hands and then what the app told me, it felt accurate, and so we just multiplied that by the number of floorboards. Voila, we realized whether or not the thing could fit. And that was like a very, very small use case, but that's the kernel where augmented reality can actually make people's lives better, where they don't need to have this set of tools and systems on them at all, at all times, where the phone can start to replace those things. So maybe I no longer need a tape measure because the AR has gotten good enough to show me distances between things in real time with my camera. So I think that's my main thesis is it, it seems uh, we're in the gimmicky narrative, but there's a kernel there. I would agree that shopping is one of the more compelling use cases. And then I would add on that I think education and like old textbooks, I think this is just so ripe for AR to make people more engaged with learning about things that aren't normally super engaging. I guess an example that comes to mind would be, wouldn't it be a, a world of difference as a child to watch a battle play out from the civil war by pointing your camera at your textbook and you can pan around and see what the movements are of the soldiers and and tap on a part of the battlefield and understand what's going on there or pause a battle or scrub it back and forth and sort of watch a thing play out versus looking at a picture of it on a piece of paper or or you know going to a museum and instead of just looking at a skeleton of a dinosaur having ar superimpose on top of that skeleton what we think it might have looked like and show an example of of it eating a thing or walking around like these are things that i feel like would be really valuable for anybody but especially kids to get engaged with learning about stuff so that would be one example i'd add on to the non-gimmicky use case okay brian Whew. i agree with you <laughs> <laughs> cool 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 you're totally right about the measurement thing i forgot about that and that's it's actually really 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 good yeah and education is a good one too all right, fine. But even then, I think like you have to really be selective about which things you choose because kids are very discerning, you know, yeah. over what's bullshit and what's not. They, they get it, and you can't you can't force learning into anybody's brains. But yeah, 
No, I, I, I'm with you. I mean, fight me. I mean, fight me. <laughs> what, what do you think about Pokemon Go, though? Like, certainly... Well, it worked. That would be an example that we would say is gimmicky, but it worked, right? So are we wrong? <laughs> uh, oh, I'm always wrong, Brian. <laughs> sure. Have you met me? I mean, I think certainly there was more to the appeal of Pokemon Go than just the AR aspect of it. Yeah, there's the nostalgia of it. There's the nostalgia of it. There's the fact that it's a Pokemon game. There's also the get out in the real world, and it's a it's a it's literally like a fetch quest. You uh-huh. know, like uh-huh. get out of your house and go to this one place because you might get something good out of it. Yeah. Normally we do that inside the game, but the yep. game is outside. So yeah, but I'm not necessarily sure that that couldn't have worked without AR. Mm-hmm. So I think, to to not double negative, that could have worked just fine without AR. <laughs> um, okay. And yeah, and I I think some some intro, a little bit of a overlap with the uh, face tracking stuff you're mentioning with Snapchat is that that's actually kind of bled over into shopping too. Like you can try on lipsticks before you buy them and see what they look like on your actual face or, or eyeshadow or whatever. Try on sunglasses. Exactly. Or regular glasses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have them shipped to you. You can just see what they look like on your face with your phone. That's super cool. Those things are really useful. Uh, being able to see a couch in, you know, where how big it will look in, in your room, right, before you buy it or, or any type of furniture. Yeah. That all makes sense. Or, like I said, with navigation, going around... And uh, being able to have your phone recognize where you are and and overlay things on on the environment around you or give you um, directions overlaid on the environment around uh-huh. you that's really uh-huh. useful. But it sucks that you have to look through your phone to see it. I think this is like probably my main drawback of the whole thing is like I got to look through this little window. Yeah, and any sort of I, I think you mentioned VR earlier, like the window doesn't exist in VR. Like it's your eyes. Yeah. You have all the shit strapped onto your body to make it happen. And that kind of takes you out. But if you can forget about the headphones on your ears and the big video screen on your face and the stuff in your hands, then you can kind of get lost in it, but I can never get lost uh, in AR. It's I'm, I'm looking through this screen and I'm not fooled at all. My disbelief is not suspended. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think the the consumption medium being a phone or an iPad is we're just in this like clunky, awkward in between phase. Yep. Kachunk. We're kachunking really hard. But I don't know what the answer is because I think everyone's pointing to glasses, you know, like the Google Glass or I guess Apple's HoloLens. secretly working on something, HoloLens. Yeah. And I don't know, you know, it's too early to say if those are the future. Obviously, Google Glass didn't work out for a variety of reasons, but. And having never experienced, I I just don't know if that solves it either. Because I I think what we're really craving is direct manipulation. Like I yep. want to touch and and make things respond to my touch. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how that's going to be possible without just fully bleeding over into a VR or like plugged in system. So, anyways, then then you just fall back to really simple use cases like measuring things or placing made up objects that you want to buy in the real world and maybe that's as far as it goes you know maybe and then the education examples i think education is cool but you know maybe that's it like maybe maybe ar is getting just overhyped and what we should be saying is like here's three industries that are perfect for it and everyone Mm -hmm. else like you know 
you don't really need to worry about it. <laughs> I think that's yeah. I think that's my argument is is this is a bandwagon that can fit very few passengers, and mm. but everybody wants to get on, and it is not useful for everyone to be on. And I I worry that there's a lot of wasted effort uh, chasing a dragon, right, or a wild goose, whatever your metaphor is. Yeah. Well, I, the one that I did see most recently on Twitter was somebody made a uh, AR app to try on different pairs of shoes. So you hold your feet up in front of your camera, and you can swipe through different shoes that you want to see what they would look like on your feet thought you might like that yeah you're <laughs> speaking you're speaking straight to my heart <laughs> uh-huh. you know me too well that's cool you have to tell me what that app is what is it what's it called it was just somebody i think it was a developer sharing a video of it on on twitter it wasn't an actual app oh got it, it was just a tech demo yeah, another part of this too is like the technology to make these things in the real world look super realistic is not quite there yet, especially on the devices that we're using to do this. Everything is super shaky, super blurry. Yeah. It does not track very well. The it's the the definition of the models is not high. The texturing is not great. The integration with the existing lighting system in the room is not good usually. And there are there are certain companies or solutions that account for one of these things, but I haven't seen all of it flawless together yet. Yeah. Maybe we'll get there, but right now it's just so same thing with VR. Like VR because you have to drive two two versions of everything. You have to have two cameras, so you're rendering rendering everything twice. That means you can only do half of what you could do if you only had one camera, right? Mm. So everything is always more polygonal and low textured and it doesn't feel as real as if you were just it's actually more immersive to do something on a flat screen than it is to to be inside of it because your your uncanny your uncanny valley gets triggered real quick yeah yeah that's a good point especially with the tracking like the tracking is really really hard yeah which yeah none, none of these problems are easy but like you know the standard is there and humans ever are, are really good at knowing how things should look in the real world. Agreed. As we're talking, sorry, I, at, towards the end of what you're saying, I, I just started thinking of something else, but let me hit you with this. So as we're evaluating this, we're evaluating it from the point of view of our lives, and we are two white dudes in tech jobs. And so I'm trying to think of what are things that we're missing. And, and I went to the Apple AR website, and they have a couple examples of things that I agree are gimmicky, like they really highlight this gaming stuff. But they have this demo from American Airlines. Uh, it says, American Airlines developed an AR prototype that overlies, overlays real-time information to your surroundings at airport terminals. And Navigation. At first, yeah, that's navigation. But first it's like, ah, that's kind of gimmicky. Like, am I really going to walk around an airport holding my phone up? But then the point was, for people who are traveling, you're in a different country and you don't know how to read the language. And they are, your phone has a map of the Beijing airport, you don't really need to navigate it, like just let your phone do it. Uh, and then that led me to thinking of the Google Translate app, and that has AR in it, which we didn't talk about, which is um, the word lens. And that is an example, uh, and I feel like we're probably missing a million accessibility use cases there, but just the translation word lens thing where you can hold your camera up to a piece of foreign language printed text and have it translate in real time on top of it is magic and mm -hmm. that when it works when it works yeah so anyways all this roundabout to say i feel like as you and i are talking there's probably people listening that are shouting into their headphones <laughs> like what Never. about this accessibility use case that you haven't thought of like what could it unlock for people who 
are missory, missing some sort of sensory input, whether they can't see or they can't hear. Um, well, maybe sight is a tricky one, but like maybe there's there's things that we just haven't couldn't possibly consider at this point in time that we need to know more about. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I think probably the easiest example of that is like what you said. Like you're you're able bodied, but you don't speak the language. Yeah, right? being able to navigate a foreign country easily is is a huge use case that uh, I think is perfectly suited to this type of AR stuff. But yeah, and ultimately, I think, I think, like I said, I think we agree on a lot of these things. I just wanted to, yeah, 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 be an asshole for a little bit, uh, just for the entertainment of it, and to, to have some sort of discussion back and forth. Because yeah, you you brought up things that I didn't even think of. Maybe I've brought up things that you didn't consider. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, I, th I think there's definitely uses for it, but that doesn't mean everybody should use it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just hesitant to classify things as gimmicky just because there's so many examples of things that were gimmicky at one point and then quickly became non-gimmicky. And I think the Snapchat example holds and the internet is probably an example of something that was super gimmicky <laughs> at the time and look wow. where we are now, right? It's a big flex, all right. <laughs> I, I, Twitter, like any, any social platform sure. is like, it's a joke until it's not. And so, I don't know, I... I think it's so easy for us to shit on the AR stuff. You know, not that we're totally shitting on it. Like I think we've agreed that there are going to be a lot of useful things here. Yeah, yeah. But even even the gimmicky parts of it, I'm like, I don't know. Maybe there's something there. Maybe in five years, we're all going to be playing AR board games with some different method of, of interaction and, and viewing that isn't our phone and it feels really natural and maybe we can touch things on the screen and it understands where or in the real world and it can understand what we're trying to touch. And mm -hmm. like, I think it'd be dope if you could have glasses or something that let us play hearthstone on a kitchen table together in the real world. Yeah. And the cards had the characters would pop up out of the cards. You know, you God, and I were talking I've, about, yeah, I've thought about VR at hearthstone a lot. <laughs> like that would be, I think really fun like seeing the characters pop out of the cards and blast each other with spells and stuff. Mm -hmm. But I don't want to do that on my phone right now. If that came out for on my phone right now, it would be gimmicky because I'm not going to hold up my phone sitting in front of you playing a game with you. But if there was something just more seamless and I didn't have to think about it. Yeah, that's why I think yeah, VR more than AR here. But did you see yeah, the... Yeah. Um, there was a Hearthstone... Sorry, I'm going to talk about Hearthstone for a second. There uh -huh. was a Hearthstone trailer or like a little animated video that they made where this character goes into the Hearthstone pub and there's a bunch of characters sitting around playing Hearthstone, but it's a physical board with... Yes, deck, yes, you know, yeah, yes. Yeah. So, no, you showed me that trailer. Okay, yeah, and, yeah. And that got me so excited. We were like, oh my God, I can't wait to play Hearthstone in VR. Can you imagine? Can yeah. you imagine? It'd be so great. So, as with all fight me's, I think we loosely align. yeah. It always yeah. works. I, you know, despite my best efforts to be controversial. Yeah, yeah. I pretty much agree with everything you said. Well, so let's leave it to to listeners. So if you're listening and we miss something like a, a a use case for AR that you find super compelling, or a use case for AR that we called out as something interesting that you think is dumb, let us know. Yeah, is AR a gimmick? Is AR a gimmick? I think that's the episode title. Yeah. Uh, so tweet at us. Let us know what you thought, and uh, we'll. We'll be keen to see if, if people agreed with us for the most part or if, if we totally missed something. I hope we totally missed something and, and people are able to point it out because I want to learn more. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and we have very smart listeners who are engaged with us and, and let us know when we're wrong, which we yes. appreciate. So I'm sure it will happen <laughs> this time too. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, should we wrap, Marshall? Yeah, let's talk about some cool things, Brian. All right. You go first. My cool thing is a computer game, which is in early access on Steam. And as with all early access games, it's a little bit of a risk diving in because you're jumping into an unfinished game with lots of bugs and core mechanics are still getting figured out. But uh, this game is called Factory Town and it is loosely, well, pretty heavily inspired by Factorio. <laughs> uh, entirely inspired by Factorio. <laughs> it's loosely kind of, actually it's quite, yeah, it's basically it's exactly Factorio. Factorio. So I became... Well, first of all, Marshall, have you played Factorio? I, I've not played it myself. I've looked over the shoulders of others playing it. It, it is a crack that I know I'll probably get addicted to, and yeah. I have the I have the willpower to not try it, not even once. Okay. Factorio is crack, <laughs> and Factory Town is... Crack light? Cr- yeah, what's crack light? Heroin? I don't know. What's, <laughs> my <laughs> what's my hard drug knowledge is pretty What's lacking. one step to removed? It is, it's like Factorio, but with a casual vibe. So instead of building... Uh, fa- Factorio is, for those of you who aren't familiar, you are a person that lands on an alien planet with nothing, basically a hammer. And your job is to build a spaceship to escape the planet. And the way you do that is you go around and you chop some trees for wood and you collect resources, mine some iron and mine mm-hmm. some coal, and then you can build a furnace and then your furnace can make metal plates. And it is it's like an Minecraft, but incredibly complex automation yeah. type simulator. It's like if you got really into redstone in Minecraft. Oh, I've never, I don't know what that is. Okay, fine. Somebody knows what I'm talking about. Okay. So yeah, like there are people who make hour-long YouTube tutorials on how to perfectly optimize your resource management for a particular type of resource so that you can make your spaceship the fastest. It's insane. Have you watched these videos? Oh, yeah. I've gone down (laughs) the rabbit hole. So Factory Town is like that, except it's not super story-driven, so it feels very casual. And the idea is instead of uh, mining resources to build a spaceship, you're just trying to build a really cool town. And so you start out with four villagers and and then you can build houses and you work your way up learning about farming and agriculture and then you can learn about how to mine things and then you learn how to make conveyor belts you can automate some things Uh, and what i haven't gotten into yet in the game is it starts to become more of a fantasy game so you can start to learn about magic and use magic to to influence the way that your town operates. Ah, okay. So that's the cool end game that I want to get to. And you can discover, I don't know anything about this, but you can discover temples. There's like elemental crystals that you can mine that do things that I don't know what they do yet. But it's, uh, the graphics are friendly, they're simple, they're playful. So it feels like just a casual, more lighthearted version of Factorio and equally as addicting. (laughs) Okay. I'm I'm looking at it now. I, I hadn't considered looking at the pictures of it because you said Steam Early Access and I was like, it's going to be ugly. It's not great, but it's endearingly ugly. And uh, yeah, that's my cool find for the week. So if any of you are into automation simulators and you want something that's more about building a town instead of building uh, a spaceship to escape an alien planet, this is probably something for you. Well, that's a cool thing, Brian. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, I, I understand if you never play it. Um, because it's addicting, but um, I don't know, man. I I just 
something about this scratches my itch in all the right ways. Like I could just play this for hours and hours and hours and I'm bad at it. I'm very, very bad at it. I mean, between, you know, SimCity and The Sims and Planet Coaster, like I'm, I'm with you. Pouring tons of hours into just building stuff. I, yeah. I get it. I get it. Cool. Well, what's your cool thing? My cool thing is a book. Uh, I know I've been doing a lot of books lately, but um, so I finished the Babaverse trilogy. I ended up reading a book called Children of Time that was okay, but the I finished that, and now I'm reading a book. <laughs> spoilers! It's called John Dies at the End. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, spoiler in the title. Cool. Yeah, it, which is perfectly in line with the tone of the book, which is this fucking buck wild acid trip of. A story. I don't even know how to describe it. The kind of the setup is this: our main character, who isn't John, a guy named Dave. He uh, is giving an interview to a local newspaper guy and uh, describing, uh, trying to convince him that that these stories he's telling him are real. And the stories are crazy. They're crazy. It's craziness. And in the best way, it's like an acid trip. I don't know how to describe it any other way. But it's really well written and irreverent. There's there's some interesting artifacts of the time in the book. For example, the R word, uh, retarded, is used to mean dumb a lot, which is something that you could not get away with today. Right. I think this was written in like the early 2000s or something like that. So A simpler time. A simpler time. A less evolved time. <laughs> yeah. So if that's a triggery thing for you, uh, just be aware that that's in this book. There's not a whole lot of other egregious st- stupidity, but the, yeah, the, the, there is some of that stuff. But uh, overall, the story is just really good. I'm about a third of the way through, maybe two fifths, and I'm really enjoying it. I have no idea where it's going. I, I'm not even sure where it's been. Oh, well, that's the best kind of game. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Like, best kind of book. Oh, my God. I'm looking. Game. I, well, I have Steam open on my computer as we're talking, so <laughs> that's the best kind of book. It's also the best kind of game where you oh, don't know yeah. what's going. Yeah. <laughs> the best kind of anything is Movie, when you don't know what's going to yeah. happen. Yeah. yeah, all this stuff. I don't like to know where things are going, and I certainly do not. Other than John dies at the end, that's the only thing I know about how this book will end. <laughs> I'm not even sure of that. Yeah, maybe he's not even going to die at the end. Yeah, it's an, it's a bit of an unreliable narrator, and yeah. So, uh, oh, and uh, there's a Hulu movie, or well, there's a movie that's on Hulu of the book, and I I started watching it last night just to see what, because you know I have a vision in my mind of what these occurrences should be, like how do you visualize that for the screen? How closely did they hew to the source material? turns out real close um, <laughs> and also it's uh, you know on a lower budget it's kind of hard to pull off some of these visuals in a convincing way especially with practical effects but it's still impressive and I, I only watched the movie to the point where I am in the book which is not that far in like maybe I don't know 30 minutes into the movie but as soon as I started seeing stuff that I didn't recognize I, I turned it off on purpose so uh, I'll continue reading the book but the yeah man the movie is like basically beat for beat lines directly from the book you know i'm like oh this is the next line and the character says that exact next line i'm like okay yeah they're, they're using the book as very much a template for for the movie which true is, to the source material yeah i i always appreciate that um as a harry potter fan i like when the movies respect the books the yeah, source sure. material sure so yeah john dies at the end i'll, t- I'll tell you if john <laughs> dies at the end next week follow right. up if yeah. i finish it 
I like this uh this reading kick we're on or yeah. you're on specifically Marshall's book club. We've shared, yeah, design details book club is not a bad idea. Yeah, actually, I mean none of the books are about design, but I think that's totally appropriate. Okay, yeah, maybe we'll do a design design details book club. I like this idea. Cool. Well, cool things, Brian. Cool things abound. Well, this has been uh, episode 293. Hope you all enjoyed it. Let us know what you thought. We're on Twitter. We're at Design Details FM. Uh, hit us with your suggestions for what we should do for episode 300. Hit us with uh, things that we missed or are not smart enough to have thought of about augmented reality and, and where that's going in the future. Uh, and let us know if we should start a design details book club. That could be an interesting, <laughs> knowing full well that we will probably never recommend a design book. It will <laughs> probably be uh, heavily geared towards sci-fi based on the last few weeks. Yeah, yeah based on <laughs> history. Yeah. But otherwise, if you need more podcasts to listen to right now, go to spec.fm. That's our podcast network for designers and developers just like you. A lot of the shows on there are produced by our superb masters and editors extraordinaire sarah and drew so thank you sarah and drew for another episode as always uh they their work again is at spec.fm that's it hope you enjoyed the show we'll look forward to to feedback in the meantime otherwise we'll we'll be back next week indeed as always every wednesday on the wednesday Mm -hmm. unless it's inconvenient for us You know, like holidays and stuff. Sure. But otherwise, every Wednesday. Mm -hmm. Today's a holiday. (laughs) You're not allowed to say that. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Cat out of the bag. Cat's out of the bag. Mm -hmm. And it is stoned. (laughs) That is one high cat. (laughs) All right, Marshall. Yes. Till next time. Till next time, my friend. Yes. Bye-bye.